The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On the final episode of Healthier Workplaces for 2023, we're joined by Dina Siegel and Nicole Greeson to discuss key trends in IH and OEHS for the next decade. Stay with us. Welcome to another episode of Healthier Workplaces. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Media and your host for this program from AIHA. Stay with us. Here's our consultant, Sarah. She's always looking for ways to grow her network and increase her business, but advertising is expensive. There are lots of competitors, and sometimes she has trouble finding the right audience. Luckily for Sarah, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA, offers the perfect low-cost solution, the AIHA Consultants Listing. This listing is the perfect resource for consumers and businesses, and especially for those in need of highly specialized and qualified industrial hygienists. Every year, AIHA sends the consultants listing to thousands of decision makers nationwide in a variety of industries, including legal, real estate, trade associations, academics, hospitals, and all levels of government, including most federal agencies. It's also readily available online through their website. Sarah had no idea the consultants listing was such a valuable low-cost resource. Now she knows getting into the directory makes perfect sense to better her business. It didn't take long before Sarah found her network expanding, and she was even pulling ahead of her competitors. The AIHA Consultants Listing, your link to building a larger network. Welcome, Dina and Nicole. Um, great to have you here on the Healthier Workplaces show. Uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, you know, key trends and developments, uh, you know, in the future for IH and OEHS. And I guess I'll start with Dana with you is like, what trends or developments are you foreseeing in the future, uh, you know, in the next decade, you know, and, and how will those changes uh, potentially impact uh, worker health and safety? Oh, that is a great question. And it is so timely, Bob. AIHA has four content priorities right now. Big data and sensor technology, total worker health, serving the changing workforce and communicating OEHS concepts. The content advisory uh, group, the content priority advisory group are in the process of evaluating the recent results of an environmental scan that was done to look at trends and developments in the coming years. Some of these were beneficial, but some of them are also concerning from a health and safety standpoint. They fit within, for the most part, our current uh, content priorities, but some are showing some emphasis on new issues that we didn't have before. Global warming, heat stress, and perhaps an increasingly more destructive natural disasters. So that's going to require a new set of skills for OEHS professionals. There are also some interesting ones in there. Crowdsource open source intelligence that could help raise awareness of occupational safety and health, uh, environmental contaminants. Uh, we've also got the what I would consider the meteoric rise of social influencers, social media influencers. Uh, the ability to to wear to wear sensors that can look at uh, all sorts of of exposures to an individual. Uh, and as we look at these wearable sensors, 
and look at the technology that has even blossomed in the last year, we need to be aware of how those can impact privacy issues, how we document exposure using those wearable sensors, and really look at ways that they can actually prevent illnesses and injuries. Workplace violence has become a, a pretty critical issue uh, at this point for worker safety. Uh, that one uh, we've got our eye on and are really looking to, to make sure that we can play in making sure that workplace is safe for everybody. Uh, optimization for systems and sensors. Now this was an interesting one to me because really what it means is that systems are going to look at how, uh, how technology communicates with them, not necessarily how humans communicate with them. So we'll have to be able to adapt to different inputs that, that we see. Uh, synthetic biology has been on the, on the screen for a while and it had always been the issue that we need to look at potentially ethical considerations in biology. So creating uh, new, new biological uh, organisms or com completely synthetic is really an issue in a lot of ways. Uh, I thought this was also cool is that you have drones. I mean, drones can actually be useful in terms of of viewing work sites, looking for health and safety hazards, and just a way to monitor that workplace uh, for those safety hazards. Here's some more. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. Uh, no, no, flexible, flexible work schedules, remote workplaces, the whole gig economy thing that we've been talking about. It, it requires new ways for us to access those exposures. So uh, in, in my um, in my youth, let's just put it that way, we were looking at classic eight hour days, 40, 40 hours a week, maybe 10 hours. Now we're looking at all sorts of, of things that we never thought we would look for. So the obvious example for that is ergonomic issues. Uh, they may have been addressed in a typical office environment, but not necessarily in a home office. Another interesting thing to me is because employees can now ask for better pay and benefits as a result of less talent available overall, companies may require people to have a larger set of skills than they may have had in the past. So if they aren't um, up to date on those skills and understanding what the health and safety aspects may be, that gap might cause some issues in terms of injuries and illnesses. Uh, human skills, they've always been important, uh, especially when we are communicating health and safety controls to workers, but they have taken on somewhat of a new um, importance, shall we say, for, uh, for us as OEHS professionals. We are now um, doing the right thing um, by recognizing vulnerable workers or populations and also recognizing the need to include mental health or psychosocial as well as physical health when we discuss as OEHS professionals, those things with management. Uh, micro learning is still uh, the way to go these days. So short, brief bursts uh, are a very effective way to, to get information in and out of, of, in, of individuals. So it can be for fun, we do that all the time, but it can also be for work. And we'll just have to look at these to really continue to uh, use them for for that type of thing. So, um, all in all, all the trends are are not surprising, 
but the I think the speed that things are happening now in terms of of trends and otherwise is something that uh, is a challenge for all of us to keep up with. So um, that's just a little. Yes, yeah, quite a, a shopping list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot going on. Uh, and yeah. the thing is, like you know, technology is just advancing. It's just such a a, a rapidly increasing pace, right? You know, it's a, it's mm -hmm. this this is a unique time probably in history, also coming off it, the pandemic, you know, there's, yes. And, and you notice I didn't use the pandemic word, I, but that definitely <laughs> drove a lot of this as we know. Nicole, you have any follow-up on that? Dina was pretty thorough, but I would just add a couple of comments. The micro learning actually came up repeatedly in the recent AIHA leadership workshop that we held just a few weeks ago when we were doing some brainstorming related to trends. So microlearning seems to be on the mind of uh, many of our volunteer group leaders as something that people are asking for more and more. They want bite-sized chunks of information. Uh, data abundance and data overflow. So Dina talked about sensors and how much more sensors are being used I mean, people wearing you know, their um, smartwatches and whatnot reporting data. And in some ways it allows for better risk assessments uh, and real-time feedback for people. Uh, and as she alluded to, there's privacy and security concerns as well. So that's definitely a trend that uh, seems to be increasing pretty rapidly. And then lastly, I know we're gonna talk about this a little bit more, robot renaissance and AI. So the, the speed at which uh, the technology is advancing is incredible to me, and it brings opportunities and threats related to workplace safety and health. Um, robots can replace jobs in some cases or create stress among workers about the potential to replace their jobs, uh, it increase the pace of work for humans, um, can potentially create more toxic or hazardous chemicals. And Dina was talking about synthetic um, biology, but there's also synthetic chemistry where things are being made and uh, potentially more hazardous than previously. But it can also be used for good to help improve worker health and safety and well-being. So, so Nicole, you, you know, you alluded to it, you know, on, on, and you just what you just said, but it, you know, the increasing adoption of AI and automation in the workplaces, uh, how is that going to affect IH and the OEHS uh, profession? Uh, you know, how, how do we incorporate these advancements and how do we ensure worker safety when we're incorporating these advancements? Yeah, great, great questions. So I think we do have to adapt to the increasing use of it uh, into our profession by understanding the uses that are going on in workplaces, the advancements that are occurring. And I would say in particular, if there are any policies that your company or your clients have put into place related to their use, and for us as OEHS professionals to advocate for policies that will ensure that it, the implementation of AI is done in a way that will protect worker health and safety and well-being. Yeah, I know we spent a lot of time uh, at our board meeting this weekend talking about AI, the, both the good and, and the bad. And I also was able to kind of go back and look, okay, so how much do we deal with AI? For me, the responsible use of AI 
is is the important thing. Not that we're never going to have it or that we're always going to have it, but that responsible use. And the primary purpose needs to be protection of the health and safety of workers. So it's a valuable tool. We're starting to see some benefits. We're also starting to see a lot of concerns. And and if AI is used in the workplace and not just you know for writing papers or creating um, documents, but if it's used as part of 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 a company's um, basically how they they do things either on the factory floor or otherwise, it could increase exposure to hazards for workers. So we need to be able to recognize when that's happening. So if that AI is out there in terms of 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 workplace itself, that those exposures are controlled as they need to be. Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, and and, and both of you uh, mentioned, you know, some thoughts about diversity and inclusion. Uh, you know, they're they're obviously becoming increasingly important uh, to all professions. You know, not just IHOEHS, but uh, one particular, uh, you know, in the IHOEHS profession, what what particular are we doing? You know, to try to push forward the inclusiveness and diversity situation. So I'm very excited about what, what AIHA has done already. And and it's another one of those constantly changing topics. Uh, it continues to trend. We have discussions on good and bad. Um, it's but but the basic part of DEI is what we need to continue to instill into uh, our everyday lives. Uh, so different perspectives, or what I'll call diversity of thought, um, experiences, different approaches that people have that are willingly shared or invited to be share, shared as part of a discussion, it, it means that the decisions that we make as a board in AIHA or as an association or even as part of this OEH profession, that those decisions reflect uh, the broader membership. And, and I'm gonna just go a little bit on, on one of our goals as AIHA and that is create a world where all perspectives are valued. Uh, from a research standpoint, it helps focus expertise and funding on those topics that have not normally had attention. And so I'll go back to things like the health and safety of, of vulnerable workers. Uh, AIHA has done several things to infuse um, diversity and inclusion into our selection process for board candidates, for instance. So we're looking at demographics, we're looking at experience, years in the profession, industry served, and every year, the board nominating committee uh, looks at diversity of the, of the current board and looks to fill any gaps uh, for the board in the coming year. Uh, the board asks for feedback on our cultural values and norms. We got that from our pride special interest group, our social concerns committee, teleworker health, uh, women in IH, and we're working to improve those. And then the last thing that I wanted to say was we had a free DEI conference last month and it's and how it intersects with OEHS. So really that was the focus of it. It was held over five days. We had amazing topics, uh, including things like empowering an ally in the workplace. So, so we need to uh, continue to create intelligent and responsible DEI goals that allow us to make sure that we give the opportunity for all individuals to bring their value and to grow and shine as an OEHS and AIHA community. 
and, and Nicole, you're you're the uh, president elect for AHA, so uh, you'll be following Dina in the you know in in the uh, top seat there. Um, again, this I, I'm assuming this is this is a big piece of what you're seeing on the radar going forward. Absolutely, and it's certainly been a big focus for the board and staff for AIHA, I would say as well. I think it is important to have a broad range of perspectives for a number of reasons, and it's important to do so so we can limit bias and we can increase inclusivity and applicability. Uh, otherwise, the outcomes may not be appropriate to protect the health and safety of all workers. So I think about specific examples, and this was something that was covered in one of the BEI webinars that Dean alluded to a few weeks ago, PPE, designing PPE to make sure it fits all workers. So if you think about historically looking at anthropometric data for workers, if you're only looking at North American males in the workforce and you're designing PPE for them, you are potentially excluding a segment of the workforce that the PPE is not going to fit, particularly smaller females who are in the workforce. It could be anybody, but that's one example of reasons why we need to really consider how to incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion in ways that impact worker health and safety. And that was a big focus of that whole webinar series. How is it relevant mm -hmm. to OEHS practitioners? Mm -hmm. And Dean already alluded to the one of the ways that we're fostering diversity by having our board nomination process and our open call process consider diversity, equity, and inclusion so that we can have broad representation so that hopefully we don't have gaps and we are including the various perspectives that should be for the decisions that are being made. And I would say if you take it a step further, thinking a little bit more globally, we have translated a lot of our documents into Spanish. So that helps to include people who can use our resources who aren't necessarily native English speakers. So that helps with improving workplace health and safety in other areas of the world. Um, and we've also provided microgrants for developing economies. So other things we can do to help improve worker health and safety by thinking in terms of more diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it seems like you know, this is, it's become a, a very uh, uh, important topic, you know, for all, for all professions. Uh, but I think especially, it's especially true for IHOEHS, right? Because uh, the point you both made there, uh, speak speak to why we really need to be doing that and especially from the worker health and safety perspective it's just it's, it's critical i think yeah. um so b both of you have you know had l really long career professions uh making a lot of contributions you know to your field uh what advice would you give to students uh, early career, uh, career professionals uh you know it's how they could how could they aspire to excel in this profession and maybe contribute to uh, future growth uh, like both of you have done. I'm going to pass this to Nicole first. Well, thank you for asking that question, Bob. I'm really passionate about the next generation of professionals. Uh, so I would have two pieces of advice. One is to visit oehscareers.org, which is a wealth of free resources ranging from what schools offer degrees in related fields to job boards. So if you're looking for your next um your next move potentially, or maybe your first job out of school. So it has a wealth of resources for people. And then the second piece of advice I would give is to get involved in AIHA like Dina and I have both done. 
If you visit AIHA.org, you'll see a number of volunteer groups, uh, anything from technical committees to professional development to affinity groups so that you can find a way that you feel like you can learn something, you can contribute your expertise, and you can um, become part of a community. And you can potentially then use that to help advance your career. Dina, I'm assuming you have uh, some points on there. I mean, yeah, have, I, having been president for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you said long career. Can we just say yeah, like I know. storied it's, it's, career right. or yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so everything that Nicole said, and I'm going to add a few more points. One is listen, listen to people that you work with, listen to your peers. Listen to early career professionals. It, it's not all about listening to what we call luminaries uh, like like me. I'm not going to put you there yet, Nicole. <laughs> but but most of all, it's, it's, it's really listening to workers and communities. They're your reason that you're in this profession. See what they have to say. I can tell you the ones I've worked with can be the best source of information to help you solve a, a solution to a problem. That's number one. Number two is be a sponge. Read opinions of your peers in the profession. Uh, do everything you can to learn as much as possible. I, I will tell you because of the trends and developments we talked about earlier, be cautious when it comes to opinion that might be masquerading as science or um, using AI to search for information because one of the things that is starting to happen is AI will um, not necessarily go out and do a neutral search for information. Uh, so that's something to be cautious about. Uh, be aware of your biases. I know you talked about this before, Nicole, but I think this is really important. Be aware of your biases, what I'll call your blind spots, um, and work to overcome them so you can truly be open to solutions that might present themselves. And volunteer. Join an AIHA volunteer group that interests you, that you're passionate about. This is what I tell the, the, the folks that I mentor. Um, you'll be able to contribute and you are going to make AIHA even better. Um, make your experience as a student and an early career professional as rewarding and as broad as possible. So go out and get that information. Consider being a leader in AIHA. You can start out if you're a student in a student local section. Um, you can do it in a regular local section. You can join one of our volunteer groups and, and then eventually become leadership for that committee. And then finally, always have joy in your chosen career because this is an amazing career and I am so happy to share my passion. And Nicole, thank you again for sharing that passion with me. I love OEHS. Thank you. Excellent points. So that's that's our time uh, for today. <laughs> so <laughs> Dina Siegel, uh, president of AIHA, and Nicole Greeson, president-elect, thank you so very much for taking time out of what I'm sure are very busy schedules on your part, because uh, you have professional careers outside of your volunteer work at AIHA. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you so much for having us. <laughs> yes, thank you for having us. It was a pleasure, Bob. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back again with another episode of Healthier Workplaces. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy.